podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I can see Dortmund top in this group. <laughs> they are here tweaking, bro. Dev. No, no. <laughs> Did you watch the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight? No, I didn't. I didn't. I saw the ending of it all over the internet, and I was like, eh, fine. What, what do I call it? It wasn't really a... It, it was it was an event. <laughs> you know, it was like the expectation for it was so low that all McGregor had to do was be competent, and people were going to say he was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Floyd mm. still destroyed him, though. Are you into boxing? Or just fighting in general? I am. Yeah. I am into boxing and fighting, but... Uh, yeah, I wasn't into McGregor Mayweather, which is, you know, considering Conor McGregor more or less paid my wages through most of the last year, I was just like, eh. It was a farce, and I was never going to get swept away by a farce. It, it actually wasn't a farce, though. I mean, it, it was in a way, because we all knew what was going to happen before it happened. But, you know, just he was, um, he's a good fighter, I guess you could say. Some fighting can translate to boxing, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's start the podcast. Uh, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. This is for football podcast. My name is Daniel Taluk. My name is Carl Anker. Half Hope is doing Half Hope things. If he shows up, he shows up. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud. We're nearing 200 followers there, so that would be dope if you could follow us. Apple Podcast Reviews, drop those. And let's just get into it. Apologies for this edition being uh, a day later than usual. It's a bank holiday in the United Kingdom, so Half Hope and I were otherwise indisposed on Monday. Um, but we're here, and Daniel's always talked about how he's annoyed that the big football news breaks on Tuesday. So now we've had that extra day, and big news has broken, has it not, Daniel? You see what happens. You see what yeah. happens when we wait 24 hours. On, we should consider moving this thing to Wednesday. But uh, yeah, I woke up this morning, and uh, one of the first things I saw on the timeline was Sterling in a swap deal for Sanchez. So I was like, so what's the what's the number going to be? Because you can't just trade Sterling for Sanchez. Like I'm from kind of an American context. I'm used to just players being traded for players, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the NBA, basically you have like what? The Celtics and the Cavs, they, they just trade assets. In uh, In football, you trade money basically for the permission to sign someone. So I was like, what's 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 the figure gonna be? And I saw a Manchester City writer, I'm forgetting his name, but he was like 20 million. So Sterling and 20 million equals Sanchez. <laughs> I was like, I can't work out if this is disrespectful or not. And the reason I'm having trouble with this is because Sterling's young. I think he's he's probably not even 23, 24. He's 20. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a young lad. Yeah, and Sanchez is this is he's 28 or 29, so he has like one big deal left. Yep. And he's in the last year of his contract. So I'm like, maybe you could work this out to where 20 million makes sense. But I still don't think Wenger would sell at just for like 20 million in Sterling. I don't think I don't think he'd do it, which in my mind created the, the scenario that suppose Wenger's stubborn mm-hmm. and he's like, you know what? I think it's going to be worth it to keep Sanchez. Hopefully, once he gets into the full flow of the season, this little early season blip that we have, we, we can overcome it and we can maybe make top four or make some noise in the Europa League and get Champions League that way. What happens on the city side if Sterling knows that Pep was cool letting him go to Arsenal 
in a swap deal. Or maybe not even Pep, but the city board was cool letting him go to go to Arsenal. How does that pan out on the city side if, if the swap deal doesn't go through? Yeah, I mean, City spent a lot of money to get Sterling. They spent 50 million to get him. And Sterling more or less ruined his reputation in the eyes of some sections of the English fandom in leaving Liverpool to go to Manchester City. If I'm Sterling, I'm, cer- I'm certainly very annoyed that this is being muted, mooted even. I'd much rather City just pay the ridiculous money for Sanchez and I sit on the bench a bit longer than be traded. Because especially when you hear stories about what Pep Garlo has been doing in order to, to bring Sterling up to speed and improve him as a football player. I think I told, I mentioned this last time, last season, about how Pep Garlo seems is very annoyed about how Sterling seems to tuck inside during passages of play. So when City are you know going through their choreographed routines and they're, and they're going through the gears, Sterling used to have a knack of drifting to the middle and Pep used to get very annoyed. So what he did on the training area was he got a pot of white paint and painted a dot on the training area and he told Sterling, when you don't know what to do, just stand here, which I found particularly interesting in terms of spacing. Where you're going from that level of intensive coaching on Pep to going under Wenger. <laughs> if, if, you know, I think the 4 0 on Sunday is evidence of the fact that Wenger hasn't, has, has seemingly lost his touch at, at bringing forward young players, as, particularly the British players as well, of like coaxing them along. Um, so if I'm starting, I'm annoyed. The story was broken by John Cross of the Mirror. For football fans that are interested in swap deals in footballing history, I advise you check out Squawker. Squawker have a great article about uh, like the 10 most memorable swap deals in footballing history. Turns out Andy Cole to Man United was a swap deal, as was Roberto Carlos to Real Madrid was a swap deal. Obviously, the, the most famous recent one is Samuel Eto'o and Ibra from Inter Milan and Barcelona. That was a swap deal as well. Um, so check that out. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the deal says a lot more about the state of Arsenal than it does about the state of Manchester City. Because Arsenal, obviously, they're off the back again, absolutely wellied 4-0 by Liverpool. Good <laughs> Lord. Who plays I, a high line at Anfield, bro? I, <laughs> Who does that? I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was out all bank holiday week. I was out most of the bank holiday weekend. So I didn't... I only watched snippets of of the game live and I've only seen the highlights this morning. I'm watching... I watched the highlights this morning. And I was shocked and appalled at how bad Arsenal were. Uh, 4-0 does a disservice as to how bad they were and how good Liverpool was. It could have easily been twice that. Every goal was an Arsenal mistake. Yeah. Well, it's it's six years. It's roughly six years to the time Manchester United beat Arsenal 8-2. And I'm a Man United fan. And I think the 4-0 is worse because at least under the 8-2, Arsenal had the excuse of some of their players were injured or out suspended, whereas this one, they're at full strength. They've got Lacazette and I've just chose not to use him, which is just ridiculous. Um, Lacazette on the bench, Kolasinac on the bench. Wenger's decisions, and like <laughs> starting Danny Welbeck, <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense. If you go back through like the kind of the worst losses, this is, it's top three? 8-2, the 6-0 to Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> The six oh, was, what a day. The 6-0 <laughs> to Chelsea is particularly delicious because I think that was Wenger's thousandth game in management and he gets mullered 6-0 by Chelsea, by his most and, enemy. And, and it was the day, or maybe two days after, when Mourinho called him a specialist in failure. <laughs> oh. 
Lord, Lordy Lord. And guess who scored the sixth goal in that game? Salah. On basically the same goal he scored, um, ironically against Czech, and then Sturridge scored the fourth. So it's basically Chelsea players just making another former Chelsea player look even worse. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, can we talk about Mane quickly? We, we, yeah. This guy, why didn't Barcelona, why weren't Barcelona trying to buy him instead of Coutinho this whole time? They offered 120 million or 140 million pounds for Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Mane's the guy on that Liverpool team. He's seemingly unstoppable because his footballing intelligence is on another level. Right foot, left foot, his vision, his shooting, like the pace he has. He can win them a league. Obviously, Liverpool's defense is their biggest problem. So, you know, you, you would need a structure of, you know, better center backs, obviously a better goalkeeper because Mignolet and Carriers aren't going to get you a title. But Mane's talent is title worthy. And if they can harness it and put him in a better team, I don't want to call him the best player in the Premier League, but he's up there, man. Um, he's the most important player in Liverpool system. And so when, when he went to Liverpool, if you talk to Southampton players, uh, fans, they said Mane, Mane is good in flashes, but he very he does that Suzoko thing where he plays really well when a game is televised or when it's close <laughs> to a transfer window. So there, there were some question marks. I think he was he was rumored to go to Manchester United and I was still, mm, uh, mm, uh. but oh my God, he's, he's the perfect player for Klopp's system. Mm. He's, he's the closest thing to a viable Marco Royce that Liverpool could have got. And he was, he was great playing on the right last year. But what's really interesting is that now Salah is here and Salah is playing on the right. Mane's moved to the left, which means he can cut inside and, you know, go on his right foot and, and shoot. Whereas before, he had the problem where he's being sent wide and has to get in the cross. Mm. So he can kind of do the, you know, I know Hafob isn't here, but, you know, I'll carry the banner. He can kind of do the Iron Robin thing of make you wonder what he's going to do at any point in time. And that front three of Firmino, uh, Mane and Salah, that, that's amazing. Um, I, felt, I felt so bad for Rob Holding, by the way. Oh, poor lad. Poor oh, lad. It's... Last season, it happened to him again last season. So last I... season, the 4-3, Mane destroyed him. And then and it's <laughs> happened again now. And the thing is, Holding's a, Holding looks like a good centre-back. Holding's the player that Wenger thought he was buying when he bought Callum Chambers. But what he rested Holding for the Stoke game because he said Holding got found out against Leicester. So to bring him back for the Liverpool game as a centre-back <laughs> against Mane, what is Wenger doing? <laughs> They, they, uh, it's uh, just baffling, someone, man. Someone, someone on my Twitter, uh, M underscore Sarflo said, Mane, when he sees Rob holding and he's shared a Niger vine of this guy, go, When I'm through with you, oh boy, when I'm through with you, oh, you will see. <laughs> and, uh, I can't yeah. wait, to, I can't wait to see that front three in the Champions League because I think that front three will, will ruin teams. <clears throat> They've got that skill that during the the Sturridge Suarez Sterling version of Liverpool, mm. they had that thing. So they had that thing where, especially at home, where if you don't turn up for the first twenty minutes, they'll put three goals past you. They'll they'll be like, all right, we'll just beat you up in the first twenty minutes, and then you'll be two 0 down, and then that's it. And if they can figure that out and how to sustain that throughout the season, then they they're, they're going to be in the Champions League places. You know, at the start of the season, I predicted the Manchester clubs, Chelsea. And did you go Tottenham or did you go Arsenal? I must have gone Arsenal. For, I must have gone Arsenal for my hype beast thing, and that's looking awfully foolish now. So, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think Liverpool Liverpool are 
on if if you want to be incredibly churlish and say top four right now, I think it's the Manchester clubs, Chelsea and Liverpool finishing top four right now because Spurs it's not working for Spurs. They need they need some fullbacks and they need some cover because Harry Kane can't score in August and Arsenal are, are never gonna learn. Well it's gonna be September soon, so he'll start he'll start scoring he'll start, for him. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I was just I was looking at the holding and I was just like, you didn't play him in your last game, which you lost. And against a team that you would think he would do servicely against in Stoke. But then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to throw him back into the fire or back into the deep end against Sadio Mane. And I'm going to put Koscielny, who hasn't had a preseason next to him. And then I'm going to put at wing back on that side, I think Oxlade Chamberlain, whose mind has been turned by Chelsea for at least the past two weeks. He's um, gone now. Is, is it official? I haven't seen anything uh, official. It's, it was announced by Sky Sports News on, on Monday. Um, that it, it's he's going to Chelsea. Uh, I think Nick Miller, football writer, said crowbarring in Oxlade Chamberlain to your side after he looks like he's going to go to a rival is a bit like buying your wife flowers after you've sp- spent the last year and a half neglecting her. <laughs> Just sort of. Right. Because he was playing him out of position and it made Bellerin out of position, I was like, is he trying to put players in that he thinks might leave? Like, look, I trust you now, so play. And then don't leave me, please. But Ox is like, look, <laughs> Chelsea are in Champions League. I don't feel like playing Europa League. And, yeah, it's like um, I, I, I might have a, a, a club that, that wants me rather than just play me when they think they should. I mean, you know? what we've got, we've got rumors now that Mustafi's being sold to Inter Milan. Aaron Ramsey apparently has had a falling out with someone at the club. Um, or, I you still know, are in Champions <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Arsenal in shambles, and we're doing and we're doing this again, and it's after only three games of the season. And like Arsenal, the thing is, Arsenal are known for having bad starts this season. So they've lost the last, so maybe for the last four or five seasons, they tend this to lose different. their first game away from home. But this was that was brutal. That was humiliating. Is that enough? Is that enough? We have to talk about. I was going to be like, this is Chelsea's fault because if we had won the FA Cup, right? I feel like Wenger probably leaves. Mm. But but <laughs> we lost, and it was kind of like a a Trojan horse of sorts, where like we kind of let them win, and then it was it downloaded a virus because Wenger stayed. I haven't fully fleshed out my metaphor, but sometimes, uh, sometimes not winning, you lost the battle, you're going to win the war. Right. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. It was all good just a week ago. Um, so. Ox to Chelsea, quickly on this, just because Chelsea's my account. I like it. I don't love it. If the fee is 35 mil, I'm like, how come we just can't wait and sign him next season? But, you know, uh, I'm free. But we I get, we need the players. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's probably worth it to spend the money now. I wish he was better at his actual position, if that <laughs> makes sense. Because um, he, he feels himself as a, as a central midfielder. And I've seen him play well in central midfield a handful of times. The only game that really comes to mind is when he scored for England. And uh, who are they playing? Were they playing Brazil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played well in central midfield in that game. Um, but uh, he's – I kind of liken him to a black James Milner <laughs> 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 where he's he can play basically anywhere. And uh, do serviceably, which which is a problem because he's never going to get great at one thing because managers are always going to see that he can play 
right wing back, left wing back, left wing, right wing, central midfield. He can play central attacking midfield. So you're never going to get a consistent run of games in one position to make you I think he might. great or world-class in that position. But you're always going to get enough game time to where people are going to feel as if you should play. I disagree. I think he's 24. He he looked when he you know he signed to Arsenal six years ago. So he he made his debut in the eight-two defeat to Man United. He got maybe 20 minutes. Um, so sort of his Arsenal career is bookended by just bad performances in terrible Arsenal games. I think it's interesting that he's gone at 24 because he's clearly gone. I'm not getting a hit any better on the Wenger. He started as a as a as a tricky wide player. They called him a new Theo Walcott. So, and uh, <laughs> yeah, more, more, more more because he came from Southampton and what and and okay. he's mixed and he's mixed race, you know, because that's that's the British press. Um, and I think it, it's interesting because there was a point in time where Wenger tried to turn him into a central midfielder, you know, because he's he's got the he's got the athleticism, he's got the dyna, dynamism. He he, he can. I think under a great coach, you could turn him into a store brand Moussa Dembele. Um, hmm. But Wenger isn't a great coach anymore. And it's stalled. It hasn't worked out. So Ox saying, I don't want to earn... What, they offered him 180 grand a week? Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. The more and more I read stories like this, the more I'm like, yeah, Danny Rose should definitely leave Spurs because he's on there's 50. Just, there's dumb money out so, here. You're being paid like yeah. peanuts. Yeah, it's like, what... Kieran Gibbs is on 60 grand a week and is about to go to Watford for 60 grand a week. Danny Rose is twice the player Kieran Gibbs will be. So, like, go get your money. Why do you um, Why do you hate Kieran Gibbs so much, man? Jeez, man. <laughs> Let that he's, man he's, live, bro. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the smallest of small boys. <laughs> the smallest of small boys. Gets it on this podcast every week, man. Jeez, man. I, I say every fifth podcast, I give it to him. I think it's really interesting that this is for maybe the, the the first time in a long time we've openly seen a young player say Wenger doesn't know best and I'm not getting what I need from Wenger and I have to go. And I think that's interesting and I think that could it, that could be really the beginning of the end. Ted Nutson from Statsbomb was saying some interesting things about when Wenger signed this two-year contract, it was offered to him that he would have to change his system. They'd have to employ a director of football. He'd have to get new coaching staff. Um, and he have to employ more modern methods. And then Wenger said, no, he wants his two-year contract and he doesn't want these new inhibitors on his style. And Stan Kroenke said, all right, fair enough, which is a problem. Well, what do you do when one man can essentially go, no, I'm going to keep doing this my way and I refuse to learn my lesson? I mean, I don't support Arsenal, so I find this hilarious either way. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think that, that's what I really want to say about Arsenal. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, just um, just last last point, I guess on Arsenal. I I was talking to a to an Arsenal friend, and uh, he told me that Oxlade Chamberlain is arguably the best dribbler at the club. So if Chelsea can get that, I I kind of liken him to Aspilicueta, just kind of the offensive version if we can get him. So Aspilicueta can play on the left side of a back three, right side of a back three, left back, right back. Seems to be a decent center back now as well. So he can play anywhere. In the back five, basically. Um, I feel like Oxlade-Chamberlain can play anywhere in the front five except for striker, which gives Conte options, which is what managers love, a player who's versatile and gives gives you options. And I feel like that could be necessary, especially with Champions League on the horizon. So My, my worry is what can he do that Bakayoko can't do but better? 
And I suppose you're kind of. I don't of think it's is... about like being a starter. I don't think he comes in and he starts. I just think it's being a piece that can be used after a Champions League game or if we're playing. Who's this? Who's the team in our group? Karabag. If we go Azerbaijan and we just need a, if, and we have like City the next week. Obviously, Bakayoko is yeah. going to want to play City. So you just play Oxley Chamberlain wherever you need him to supplement, you know, rest for another player. So he's he's important. Which is we're linked with Drinkwater as well. So like we're trying to sign English players, I think, just to meet quotas, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, homegrown tallies and that. So I would welcome the signing if he can be Black James Milner. Um, <laughs> and and interestingly, he was linked with Liverpool. I'm meant to believe that Oxley Chamberlain is actually a Liverpool fan. So Chelsea get Oxley Chamberlain, and then Liverpool they sign Naby Keita for next year, and yeah. they're and they're currently linked with Thomas Lamar. I believe I read on Sky Sports they sent two bids to Monaco. Mm-hmm. They, they were both rejected, so I don't know if they're necessarily going to get him. But those two signings are very interesting for for the Liverpool kind of Klopp experiment. Keita is the midfielder they need, the best box to box midfielder perhaps in Germany at least last season. And then Lamar would be just... <laughs> They'd have an embarrassment of riches on the wing, essentially. The Cater one is, if Liverpool get all their targets, if they get Cater, if they get Lamar, if they go get Virgil van Dijk, then you're looking at title challenges. You're looking at a team where if, and I'm spelling if with capital letters, like that has all the uh, attributes that you want. I hope I hope that Cater gets to play in the same side as Coutinho. And that it's not a uh, we're keeping Coutinho this year and then selling him off the the World Cup. I hope it's not quite like uh, Suarez and Torres because the plan was Suarez was going to play up front with Torres for Liverpool and Torres left. Um, I hope those two get to play with each other. I, I, I find it really interesting now that as we're approaching the last two or three days of the transfer window, we're seeing abstract moves coming through. Mm. Um, obviously, this is when Spurs like to do their business, so they've already signed two players now. They signed that Sanchez fellow from Ajax. They've signed uh, Argentini- a defender from the Argentinian lead, Estu- Estudantes, I believe, a centre-back as well, which is interesting, especially because I think Spurs' defence is quite good. And I think, what, they need two more through, so maybe maybe that's Ross Barkley and maybe that's one more. I feel like Liverpool are spending the Coutinho money they know they're going to get. So why not put the money on Keita? Why not put the money on Lamar? Why not go out for Ox? Why not, you know, just use the money that we're getting? I'm, I'm just like, okay, so you got these players... So then you're going for a second round. It must be we're gonna either we're selling Coutinho this window, or we can spend the Coutinho money we're gonna get next summer in advance. It's it's interesting contrasting Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspurs um, habits right now because these are both teams that finished ahead of schedule last season and getting the Champions League places. These are both teams with good young managers and they play good high pressing style of football. And they're both teams that can't necessarily afford the, the higher wages that the Manchester clubs or Chelsea can afford. And what you're seeing is Tom Hotspur are more or less practicing austerity and they don't really want to spend too much money or, or buy players that will necessarily improve their first team. They're looking for depth. Whereas Liverpool are going, let's just go all in. Let's go in all in right now and let's spend what we have to to guarantee we finish in the Champions League places next season as well. Whereas Spurs are, are like halfway into minds about what they want to do. Because they're, they're going for, what, sustainability and whatnot. Whereas Liverpool are going, spend it now and we don't care as long as we, we keep getting Champions League football. And mm. I think of the two of them, Liverpool are going to, quote-unquote, win. I think Liverpool's plan is... <laughs> I think Liverpool Liverpool's plan is, it makes more sense in the weird world that is Premier League football. 
even though Tottenham have the better eleven, we think Liverpool are going to have a better season. I don't think both those teams can finish in the top four. And I think of the two, Liverpool look more likely because when Liverpool's attack clicks, Jesus Christ. I agree, but I kind of feel like I'm prisoner of the moment as well. Because if you ask me, I'm forgetting already who I picked. I'm pretty mm. sure. I, I'm pretty sure I went Liverpool fourth, but having a little bit more time to think about it, it still kind of feels like Tottenham are going to get fourth, and Liverpool might get left out just because I don't trust their defense at all. There's they're selling Sacco. If they get Van Dijk, it's some sort of miracle. You still have Moreno in your back four, although he he played well. Granted, it was against Arsenal, but um, I I just I don't trust their defense. I don't trust their goalkeepers. Like Danny Welbeck almost got carries twice. I don't trust any team that trusts Lovren, if that makes sense. That that makes perfect sense. And 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 that's that. I think what's really interesting is this cater deal in the fact that it's done, but it's he's not going until next year. And I think mm. we might see a couple more of those in the next couple of days of players going, This is the club I want to play for, but I want to play here and guarantee my spot in my World Cup team. That that's what I'm interested in. I want to see you know, like this Draxler thing, I can very easily see Draxler agreeing a deal and staying one more year. And uh, this Mbappe deal seems particularly interesting as well. So it's a, so the rumor is it's a loan. He's being loaned to PSG for this year, and then he's being bought by PSG the season after. Um, and that strikes me as another. This deal might not work out depending on how the World Cup year pans out, and if it doesn't, we'll just give him back to you. No, no, the- this this is FFP skullduggery. <laughs> which I love because they can't pay the 180 million and the Neymar money in the same window and make the books match. Uh-huh. So you have to you have to loan him and then make your next big signing the next window. This is amazing. I know people hate PSG because it's financial doping, but the way that they're just bossing the transfer market and finding every which angle to get around the system, I respect it in some weird way. And maybe that says more about me than them. No, but, no. So, I, well, I was I was at Nottingham Carnival yesterday, and something that struck me, two things struck me about the clothes people were wearing. One is that Puma have done a phenomenal work with Arsenal's football kits. So I saw a lot of South London kids wearing the Arsenal third kit, the black and pink one. So well done to Puma. They've designed a great football kit to be worn with tracksuit bottoms and jeans and trainers and whatnot. Another thing I've noticed is the Manchester United away kit, the black one, is added as doing their version of that, essentially. You're seeing quite a lot of top football clubs going, let's just make a second kit or a third kit that young 16 to 25 year olds are going to want to wear as streetwear. Um, so I saw quite a few, few black Man United kits. Um, and like I saw loads of PSG kits, loads. I saw quite a few Ibrahimovic 10s and I saw quite a few of the black shirt from last season, maybe the season before that. And I've seen, I saw like two or three of this season's one as well. So PSG have begun occupying the culture space in the same way that you would see Arsenal and Man United do it. And like, you know, in a way that Manchester City has failed to grasp. Just you won't you won't see a kid wearing a Manchester City shirt just hanging out. You will see a kid wear a PSG shirt just to hang out. And I think that shows how PSG have used their money to to affect the perception hmm. of their club just as much as they have to affect their standing in the league. Could could it be in the past you allude to Harry Kane won't move to, or it would be difficult for Harry Kane to move to United or Chelsea or anywhere like that because the English footballing culture is so strident or, you know, 
resistant to change that mm. that players are at least english players are knowledgeable and cognizant of if they move it's it's a disrespect and it's kind of it's it's uh frowned upon to move between clubs could it be that if if you're looking at people on this on the street in london they're obviously not going to wear a manchester city top because that would be going against the norm of of your environment but wearing something from paris and a psg top doesn't necessarily have the same cultural cachet you can wear it without the stigma of going against the club that you support where you live that that's a point i mean i i do own a pink uv top because i think that looks cool and, yeah, and, yeah, 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 but if, and that doesn't clash with the fact that i support manchester united exactly whereas... exactly because like if, if chelsea had that same uh adidas top that was pink and they had the same jeep logo and all this stuff you wouldn't wear it no i'm sure <laughs> because yeah. it's chelsea so like you 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 can kind of outsource so you can go like what's the best shirt in the german league what's well Maybe if your team has a little rivalry, because I don't think like I don't know, United wouldn't necessarily wear Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. I don't know. I get you. There were no Barcelona shirts. People hate Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, is this a sign of their diminishing power, or is it just simply if you're a football fan and you support a big football club in England, you probably hate Barcelona? Yeah, because yeah. Barcelona probably knocked your club out of the Champions League at least once. <laughs> or their fans are just annoying because you beat them. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, can I can I bring it back and talk about the Lamar transfer? Rumor? You can, you may. Like, if Thomas Lamar goes to Liverpool, oh my god, that is a massive disservice to that. Like, absolutely poops on Wenger's argument because Wenger. <laughs> well, Wenger said, Wenger said that he's he was not available. He said he's he he tried and he can't. But if Liverpool can, then there's something going on yeah, again at Arsenal. He said he tried and he can't. He couldn't get Lamar because Lamar because Monaco don't want to sell him because they've sold already too many of their players already. Whereas if Liverpool get him, that says that what Wenger said was a nonsense. I already think it's nonsense, Carl. Just quickly because if Monaco have sold Bernardo Silva, mm-hmm. Benjamin Mendy, mm-hmm. Timmy Bakayoko, and they're gonna mm-hmm. loan Kylian Mbappe to PSG to PSG in their same league. Why are they so intent on keeping Lamar if they've already sold basically the majority of their young great talent? I mean, like, uh, unbeaten in, in League One so far, and it's just been announced that they've signed uh, Keita Balde Dia, who I believe is from Lazio. Okay. Um, so I assume that player will be a. He's wearing number fourteen, and I'm assuming this gentleman will be uh, the Mbappe replacement. No, actually, Jovetic. They they signed and Jovetic. Yeah, they have just signed Jovetic from Inter Milan. So they they're buying the players. They're buying players who you could essentially go, oh, okay, this guy is a replacement for the guy who's about to leave. Mm. But still, it's bizarre. If Lamar goes to Liverpool, it just doesn't make sense if they sold all their young talent, but they're not willing to sell Lamar when they've sold better players than him, and they're bringing in other players. It could just be that they have they they you know if if you're Monaco and you know you've got the personnel in the youth team to replace Bernardo Silva, that's a that's fine. But Fair if enough. you also know you don't have the personnel to replace Thomas Lamar, then you keep him for one more year. Um but yeah it's a ma- it, it says a lot about Wenger because what especially because Wenger was apparently speaking to Mbappe's representatives earlier this year and now Mbappe's gone to PSG. Do you remember then, when Arsenal fans actually thought they were gonna get him? <laughs> yeah and then and then now what he was going for, uh, he was talking to Lamar's people and now Lamar looks like he's gonna go to Liverpool. It, you know, to, to bring it back to what I said about Oxlade Chamberlain, this shows that Arsenal and Wenger is no longer a draw to certain footballers because this guy can't he can't get it done anymore. But that's that. Let's talk about a deal that has gone through. Let's talk about 
uh, Osman Dembele to Barcelona. Another player you would think that at Rennes, Arsenal would have known about, but, you know, let's kind of leave Arsenal alone, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he's the second most expensive player in world football. It's 138 million, I believe. With add-ons, yeah. I think it was yeah. 96 without the add-ons. Yep. Can you talk to me about add-ons for a second? Uh, I'm sure you know something about add-ons. Yeah. So so add-ons what, are... what do they mean? Are they agent fees? Are they no, like, no, no. if you have like a certain amount of France caps, then you, you get 20? Is, is yeah. this why these deals take so long? Uh, add-ons are a very smart way to space out potential funding for players. The last great deal uh, in my memory, this one's obviously is uh, Antoine Martial. So when we, so when you mentioned like bought Martial from Monaco, we had some add-ons. One of them was essentially saying if you get if he made twenty appearances for France, we have to pay an extra five million. If he got, I think it was thirty goals for Manchester United, maybe twenty goals for Manchester United, we have to pay another five million. And it, it's just a way of staggering payments. Uh, so. Bayern Munich bought Renato Sanchez for 30 million and they have to pay maybe 15 million if he buys a ballon, if he wins a ballon d'or any point in time while he's at Bayern Munich. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're interesting clauses you can employ. Did you read that Sanchez could go to Swansea? Renato? Wow. Because because Clement, I would assume. Maybe they have some sort of connection, but I don't know why they oh, would. Oh, yeah. Clement, Clement is a, was Ancelotti's number two at Real Madrid. So I'd imagine Ancelotti would put in a good word for Clement if. Just, just something weird I saw. But anyway, add-ons. Um, so yeah, that's how they normally work. So I imagine the Dembele add-ons would have something to do with if they win a league, if they win a Champions League, if he gets a Ballon d'Or nomination, if he gets a certain amount of caps for the French national team. 40 million? Jeez. Oh, uh, it wouldn't be 40 million chunks. I imagine it'd be 10 million if he gets 25 goals that season, another 10 million if they win the Champions League, another 10 million if they win La Liga. Uh, the thing about add-ons is Generally speaking, if the player fulfills all the necessary criteria for you to pay all those add-ons, you're earning so much money, it's not a problem. But yeah, see, oh. it's it's one one good season for Dortmund. I, I'd say good season. Like he, he was phenomenal. He got seven goals and 12 assists for Dortmund, and he probably could have got a lot more. He was electric. And this transfer deal is also Ren, our highest ever transfer deal as well, because they have a 20% sell-on fee. They're taking home... 20 million from this deal as well. Dembele is going to wear the number 11 shirt for Barcelona. So that's a pretty strong sign that this guy's going to be the guy to replace Neymar. And I think it'll be a success. I mean, he's, he's, he's an improvement on De La Feo for sure. Uh, and what, he's, he's 20. So Did you see his, um, his introduction? No, I did not. Why do they make players do this? I actually tweeted this out. Unless you're Ronaldinho, you don't need to come out here and embarrass yourself doing kickups and tricks and flicks and all this kind of stuff because players are out here looking dumb <laughs> he tried to do a rainbow flick it just didn't happen for him and i felt bad because i'm sure like the the clip was cut up in such a way where he did impressive skills but that five seconds he just looked like he was a six-year-old who had never kicked a football before and was just trying to think he saw on fifa it looked bad and i don't understand why you why it, this doesn't happen in england i don't this is very much a barcelona Real madrid <laughs> i had come madrid phenom or phenomenon where they sign a player for big money, people come in the stadium, and they give them a ball, and they just do tricks. But like I said, unless you're Ronaldinho, you don't need to be doing this because you're just embarrassing yourself. Like Paulinho, like, ugh. Yeah, that was bad. Was it was it um, Hernandez that signed for Real Madrid? Yeah. Who did, like, two kickoffs? Like, you don't need to stop. Just spin the ball on your finger. Just hold the ball and be like, I'm here. Um, and just, like, sign it and kick it into the crowd. People will love you. 
Yeah, I think he's going to be great. He's going to give that added injection of pace to that front three. Not that it was lacking before, but I, I think he'll be great. I think well, Barcelona have a two-point league already at the top of La Liga because Real Madrid drew 2 all with Valencia on the weekend. Boy. Minor note, Asensio. Oh my goodness, what a player. <laughs> um, you can kind of say that in reverse about Benzema. <laughs> uh, uh, what a player. <laughs> uh, Musa Wonga noted that Asensio can generate uh, like a quite large amount of power from his shot without that much backlift, which is a skill that Bale, players like Bale and Arshavin used to do. So Harry Kane kind of has that same yeah. Thing. So Bale's great strength is he can shoot mid dribble. He can shoot at any point of his running motion, so you never know when the shot's coming. Mkhitaryan's great skill is that he knows the perfect amount to knock the ball forward. That when he's running at full pace, he can just immediately get back onto it, so he doesn't have to change pace anytime he's running with the ball. Arshavin had a great thing where he didn't. He needed barely any backlift to get a shot off, and Asensio seems to be able to combine like all of these skills into one. And apparently, what well, I hear a rumor that. He's got a release clause of 75, maybe 80 million. So he won't leave. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to say, because Dembele has a release clause of 370. I was like, that is probably because of Neymar. Like, let's make this so dumb (laughs) 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 that nobody will ever think to reach it. Because, like, I don't even think PSG would try 370. 198. Yeah, we can can go for that. Just give me a second. And maybe I will make an interesting point. Depending on if this information I'm thinking about is correct or not. Ah, he's two-footed. Interesting. I was I, I was gonna say you brought up kind of Bale, McTarian, and Asensio. I was gonna be like, is it is it weird that like um left-footed players like we kind of look at left-footed players differently just <laughs> because it's kind of like the the mirror of what we're used to. So mm. then like what, if if they do something that looks a little bit cooler, a little bit better. Uh. Educated left foot. Another thing is that Dembele doesn't know what his strongest foot is. Yes, the penalty clip. <laughs> yeah, he, he famously said he doesn't know what his strongest foot is, which is great because you have a player that can go either way. So yeah, I think it'd be great. Um, I still think the La Liga will be just beyond Barcelona because I think we are slowly beginning to realize how historic this Real Madrid side is. I think Tony Cruz and Luka Modric will go down as one of the great, greatest centre midfield pairings of all time. With Casemiro, don't forget Casemiro. He's playing very well. He is. He is. Would you rather have Dembele or Mane? Like right now, don't give me the argument about like um, if I'm building a team, then I'm obviously I want Dembele because uh, he's 20. Like right now, who I'll, do you want your team? I want Mane. I want Mane. I'm a Man United. I'm Man United, so I need a guy who offers pace and directness and can whip him across. So I want Mane. Same. <laughs> Same. Dembele's cold, but Mane. He's Mane's Mane's the real deal, and he's right now. So. Do you want to talk about the the bottom of the table? Not really, because I don't I don't believe the top of the table. So <laughs> West Ham are looking very poor. Brighton are in desperate need of a goal scorer. Huddersfield are in third. Just so yeah. quickly, they're, so... they're good. They're going for it, and they're going for it. They're, 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 they've made some very interesting buys. I think they've got nearly a dozen football players over the window, and they're playing this sort of obviously Wagner learned under Klopp. So they're playing a very interesting side. Well, I think not only have they are they third, they haven't conceded a goal yet, which is particularly interesting to me. So that's great. Uh, Newcastle yeah, seem um, to have beaten their funk in that in beating a very poor West West Ham side. They look dreadful. West Ham, and no points, negative eight goal difference. Crystal Palace, Joe, no points, negative six. 
Bournemouth negative four, although they were unlucky. Do you know what? Actually, back to Sterling. He's won them four points in the last two games, and they want to get rid of him. I mean, it is for Sanchez, but he had the winner against Bournemouth, and he had the equalizer against Everton. He's good. He's a good player. That's just, He's a good player. It's just, do, do you want... Do you want Sterling or do you want Sanchez? Obviously, give me Sanchez, but it's just, it's yeah. just, it's, it's up because it's not going to happen. And then I, he's, I, just, he's just going to be left there, and then Pep's going to be like, all right, we have all this other attacking talent I can play. So just sit on the bench. Yeah, I find that I, I do find it weird that City are offering Sterling rather than just offering to buy Sanchez. But that might just be a FFP thing. You know, no, I'll, I'll guarantee you it's it's an Arsenal thing because they don't have enough time to get a replacement in the window. Mm. So we will sell you Sanchez if we can get one of your players in return. So obviously we want a good one and a young one. So first, John Cross reported it was Sterling thirty million for Sanchez. Then it was Sterling. Fabian Delph and 30 million, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know who that, they, they that, that just need bodies. To. They just need bodies, I'm sure. Um, and then, of course, and then the, the counter room I heard to that is that uh, Arsenal have asked for Aguero instead, mm. which I think is interesting because I think, yeah, but you um, already have like I said, I don't know how that makes sense. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand Wenger. Um, <laughs> nobody does. Wenger doesn't understand. Uh, Wenger. The, other, the other big news today was uh, Liverpool fans crashed a travel website. Because they were monitoring flights, because they believe Thomas Lamar slash Virgil Van Dyke was in the area for a medical, <laughs> so they were following a silver van around by the license plate because apparently that was the the car that drove Salah to the to the comp uh, the Liverpool complex to get the deal done. It's great, um, but yeah. Um, oh no, no, I, I was gonna go. I was gonna go back to the bottom of the table because West Ham have no points. I read today that De Boer could be out, and Sam Allardyce is being considered to come back in. Mm-hmm. For Crystal Palace and Bournemouth, uh, they're just really unlucky, I guess, to have no points after three games. Um, they're leaking goals, I think, is a problem for them. Uh, West Ham are leaking goals; they've conceded ten. Like Bournemouth have conceded five. I'm Gareth Southgate. I'm worried. Joe Hart's meant to be my number one, and he—if he's going to have a whole season as the West Ham goalkeeper, his confidence is going to be shot by the time we get to the World Cup. Um, he's not starting in the World Cup. He can't. It's going to be Butland. It's going to be Pickford. It's not going to be hard. I don't think. But this is the thing, like Joe Hart. This we could see the end of Joe Hart as a viable Pep ruined him. Goalkeeping choice. If he would have just played him, yeah, I think yeah. he'd have been okay. <laughs> but he can't kick. <laughs> so then he shot his confidence and sent him to Torino. And then it's like, can I come back in the squad? No. Send him to West Ham. I don't think there's any coming back from him. All right. So the transfer window shots on the 31st. For for hypotheticals, just pick one transfer deal you'd really like done before the window shuts. One one for your team and one for world football in general. I want Kurt Zuma back. Give me Kurt Zuma happening. back. Well, a transfer for world football that I want to see. Who do I want Drax to go to? Dortmund. Great, great, great deal. You lost Dembele, so to at least give them somebody to make that league maybe competitive, but it won't be. So, yeah, those are my two. I want Kurt Zuma back for my club because I don't want this clown Cahill anywhere near the starting 11 and put Draxler in Dortmund and see what happens. For my club, Danny Rose. United are looking good so far, but we still got questions at our fullback positions. I would uh, take Aurier, by the way, although I don't think he can work in England. He, what, he assaulted a police officer and he's a homophobe, so... I, I he's a good football player. <laughs> it's that the art and the artist. It's the art and the artist. That, that shouldn't absolve you from being a terrible human being, and he, he hasn't shown any contrition for, for his actions previously. If he goes to either club and says, I'd like to wholeheartedly apologise for my previous actions and I want to commit myself to football, fine. But until he does that, 
I would much rather him not be at my football club or be at Tottenham Hotspur. I think there are quite a lot of Tottenham Hotspur fans that wouldn't want him because of his actions and because of what Tottenham Hotspur are trying to forge going forward. And fair play to those fans. Also, there are a subsection of fans that don't really care who you are, what you do, as long as you put a shift in. And I am, I am of that. Fair enough for those football fans as well. <laughs> and I can easily get over assaulting a police officer. It's just, you know. um, I'm glad I've never, you know, I'm a Man United fan. I've never really had that. At least in my head, I've never really had that in in recent memory. I haven't had that. Oh my God, we have a X or a Y or a Z on the books. Mm. Um, I think what the closest we what we had, Robin van Persie had that sexual assault issue, which I think was resolved when he was at Arsenal. Um, yeah. And then again, went... I have been supporting a club that had John Terry as his captain. So yeah. So I think what my main problem now is I'm supporting a club that's managed by Jose Mourinho, who that's all I can say. Your club <laughs> is what, as the kids say, wavy though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blackchester. Black essence all around. Um, so yeah, I like Danny Rose. I like I, I like Danny Rose. I wouldn't mind that being a swap deal. I wouldn't mind Luke Shaw going to Spurs because I just don't think it's going to work out. Oh, through no through no fault of his own. I think it's it's just through who Luke Shaw is as a person and who and what Jose wants. I don't think it will ever work between those two. So I take Danny Rose. Um, and for world football, I would love Draxler to go to Dortmund. Can't I quite like him to go to Everton. If Everton still have some money, Draxler to Everton would be fun. You really think he'd leave PSG for Everton? <laughs> I, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun. It'd be fun, but like that would never ever happen in life. He's, what, he's thirty-two. What he's thirty-two million? If you can get him, I think that I think Everton have. He would have to sign the contract. And yeah, he yeah. He's signing the contract. Uh, I think that'd be fun. I think I'd quite like. I've said it for ages. I want someone to go get Renato Sanchez. I think Renato Sanchez to anyone in the Premier League would be cool. So like Liverpool got him or Spurs got him. Um, Could you imagine going from Bayern Munich, like just like the Allianz, to Swansea? <laughs> man, I, I, I say this, I've said this to two or three people. If you go on Renato Sanchez, uh, there's a great article on The Guardian about how scary Renato Sanchez's Instagram is because he's just a very, very rich teenager who can't do anything. So obviously he's being paid all this money. He's not playing for Bayern Munich. But because he's a footballer, he can't drink, he can't smoke, he can't go out clubbing. So all of his hobbies are incredibly PG. He can't drive a supercar in case he gets injured. He can't go out. He's more or less under like a very weird Instagram filtered house arrest. Um, and it's haunting. <laughs> if you like, when you, when you have knowledge of this, it's quite weird. And, you, and you're wondering, you know, if I was an artist scientist, would I be really, really happy? Or would I be really, really depressed? Because I can do nearly everything because I have all this money. But also I can't because I'm supposed to be a footballer. And I can't do the thing I've been apparently put on this earth to do. So yeah, that's that. Uh, do you want to mention talk about the Champions League draw quickly? Oh yeah, that happened, didn't it? Uh, I'm very, very sorry, Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> You're playing right, Europa uh, League in January, mate. That's all I can really say. Let's see. Group A was. I'm doing this kind of weirdly, but uh, Benfica, United, Basel, CSKA, Moscow. United had Juju again. This is, United should be looking to top that group. If they don't top the group, it's a disgrace. We've so, had history with both you, Benfica and Basel, so this is true. And who, who's, who's the other team in that group? When uh, LVG was it some Dutch team? Was it Feyenoord or PSV? Probably PSV. Um, it was PSV. It was PSV with the leg break. Mm, I'm not yeah. really sure. 
so yeah, Benfica and United should come into that group. Group B, Munich, PSG, Celtic, and Anderlecht. That's a great group for the traveling Celtic fan, but those guys are finishing fourth. <laughs> um, they're going to finish third. Come on, man. Celtic Park is a hard place to go. Anderlecht are going to finish last. No, it's not. No, it's not. Celtic it's not. isn't a hard place to go, even though they're invincible. In the Scottish League. They oh. lost to a Gibraltar team last season. <laughs> There's a mystique about Celtic Park. I'm meant to believe that if you go there, the crowd gets on you and it's not an easy place to play. So I would assume they people, would beat Anderlecht at home in a way. People bring up those results against Barcelona and and uh, AC Milan not realizing they happened over half a decade ago. Like That was a long time ago, man. Over half a decade is just six years. Like You make it sound like it's like 50 years when you say over half a decade. Look, look, look. look. I keep saying this. Think of football in four-year cycles. What was good at the last World Cup is no longer good for this World Cup. And uh, yeah, anything over four years is a long time ago in footballing terms. Is my hot take. What's the next group? Uh, group C is Chelsea, Atletico, Roma, and Karabakh. Interesting group for Chelsea. Um, just the inclusion of Roma makes things a bit more complicated. I think Atletico will top the group. I think Chelsea will come second, maybe by two, three points over Roma and Karabakh. They'll be lucky to get a point, I think. That, that away trip to Azerbaijan could mean somebody gets caught with the draw, you know? I really want to go to Azerbaijan to watch football, I think. <laughs> they are said nobody ever. They they're hosting one of the quarterfinals for the 2022 Euros in Baku, their capital. Um, they've built quite a lot of new stadiums recently. They've got some great architecture there because they're they spent quite a lot of money on it, a lot of oil money on building some great buildings. Um, and they want to be seen as a as a space for sporting culture in regards to that soft power thing I talked about previously. Mm. So if you can find a flight, you think they're going to try to host the World Cup? I think we now we're getting a forty-eight team World Cup. I don't think you're ever going to get a World Cup in one country any, and ever again. I think it's just too expensive and it's too many place countries in one. Um, I think it's all going to be co-hosts. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think I think your your prediction is right. I think Chelsea should be fine, providing he, you know Hazard will be back mm-hmm. for crunch time. So that'll be right. He's going to be like um, a new signing almost. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> We haven't seen him this season, so it's going to be like a, a breath of fresh air into the team is is more what I mean. Like, ah, we're back. Fresh fresh from injury with no preseason, and you've got World Cup ahead. He's going to have to catch up quickly, and it'll be interesting to see if he goes balls to the wall right at the start. He's already, he's, like, ruining the under-23s. Is he? Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my, my tip is if you're a Chelsea fan and you can find a ticket and you can find a flight, go, because... It'll be interesting to see. I think in a decade, we'll all be talking about the footballing culture in Azerbaijan and it'd be pretty cool to go there now. I think you'll be talking about it. It might be cheap. Um, Uh, Group D, Juventus, Barcelona, Mm -hmm. Uh, Olympiacos and Sporting. So this is an interesting group. Who who finishes third um, and who finishes first, I'd say. Um, I'd probably go Juventus top, Barcelona second. Olympiacos is one of those weird teams where I'm I'm meant to think they're really good, but I don't watch them enough to have any proof. And sporting is kind of the same deal where they're just kind of legacy, or not legacy mm-hmm. teams, but kind of prestige teams. So I wouldn't know who to pick third, but I'm probably I mean, Olympiacos just because they're the Greek champions. So the Lisbon one is interesting because their captain Willy Carvalho is being linked to West Ham. So that says a lot to me about their current perception in in the European scope. 
to bring it back, I think PSU in the top Bayern Munich in that in the previous group, and I think Barcelona will top Juve in this one. No, one of them has to finish second, and one of them I has think to Barcelona finish first. Top. We need as many chances going to top Juve. Barcelona as possible. I want PSG are going to finish second in their group, and then Barcelona are going to finish first. That way, <laughs> that way they can meet again. All right. All right. Um, what's the next group? Next group would be Group E. Uh, Spartak Moscow. It says, <laughs> I was like, it says Moscova, but I was like, Moscova? I'm not Russian. Uh, Spartak Moscow, Sevilla, Liverpool, Maribor. So Liverpool got out easy here. It's going to be Liverpool and Sevilla. Oh, um, yeah. I'm expecting Liverpool to top this group, especially same. if that front three clicks. Same. Group F is City, Napoli, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Feyenoord. The City should top this group. Um, should they? I think, yeah. Against I, Napoli? Uh, Napoli's Napoli, a hard team. Napoli's good, and I think Napoli away, City will lose. But I think City have enough firepower to get through. I think City's front six is looking good. Shakhtar's um, not an easy place to play either. Well, Shakhtar um, can't play their team. Shakhtar can't play their matches at home right now because Donbass is currently going through political violence because of what's going on in Ukraine. So they're slightly away. And I think the Shakhtar teams that of Willian and Serna and I want to say Oscar. It was like Douglas Costa, wasn't it? And Douglas Costa. I think I think we're we're two or three seasons removed from that because of the political unrest. So I think Shakhtar aren't going to be doing much for a bit. Yeah, I think that's a City Napoli group. Um, um, also, group- City fans, if you can get to Napoli away, do so, but stay safe. <laughs> Napoli away, Napoli away is terrifying. Have Napoli you been? Is, have you been? Napoli, uh, I went to Naples for like half a day. Uh, there's loads of graffiti and there's loads of stray dogs. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, does does the sense "Vafa Napoli" make sense? Like when you hear it, uh, isn't that "Go Napoli, Strength Napoli"? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's a, it's an insult. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm meant to believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. That I hear that in friends. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, if you can go, go. It's 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 one of the stadiums that defies the fact that it has a running track around it. Um, it's it's like a very rare football stadium that's good. And it has a running track because the football culture there is amazing. Have you, ever, have you ever watched the video of the announcer? Like when somebody scores. Higuain! Yeah. <laughs> you get chills. Um, um, I imagine our folks should go there one day, if not only, if not simply because he loves Diego uh, Maradona. So yeah, uh, I think those two are going to go through and I think uh, final will pip Shakhtar. Shakhtar. Uh, group G. Monaco, Porto, Besiktas, Leipzig. Um, now, this seems like a group, but it's going to be a competitive group. Mm. Uh, now, I, I spoke with a couple people who watch the German League, mm-hmm. and they tell me that Leipzig is really good. I haven't watched enough of them to know, to be honest. They finished second know. last year. Yeah, I, I just don't watch enough Bundesliga to be confident enough to speak on them. And again, it's kind of going back to the um, Olympiacos sporting thing. Like, Porto should be good in my mind. But like mm. you say, like that's two World Cups now? That's eight years mm-hmm. ago, and I was probably still using that logic. To, oh, Porto's good. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just go with my boys. They tell me Monaco and Leipzig are going to be first and second. So I'm just going to pair yeah, that Monaco and Leipzig. I think Besiktas, Besiktas have that cool social media. Come to Besiktas. Turkey but is think, another place that's intense. Yeah, like, I, th- that's I think another place Besiktas, like Besiktas is planned to buy players that were good two or three years ago won't quite pay off. And I think... 
Besiktas will probably be a dark horse to win the Europa League. Hmm. Yeah, if you gave me 20 quid right now and said bet on a Champions League, one of the Champions League clubs to end up in the Europa League and win it, I'd put money on Besiktas and then I'd put money on Spurs. You agree with Monaco Leipzig then as first mm-hmm. and second? Okay. Yeah. Monaco um, Leipzig then it will be Besiktas and then Porto Leipzig. Yeah. All right. So Group H, we have <laughs> Real Madrid. They'll probably get like 15, 18 points. Dortmund, Spurs, and Applewell. So Applewell are going to finish last, unfortunately. Or not unfortunately. I don't know their clubs that well. Um, so Dortmund and Tottenham. My head says this Dortmund, is... actually. But I could see Tottenham finishing <laughs> second, actually. I can see Dortmund top in this group. <laughs> they are here tweaking, bro. They've, no, no. <laughs> tweaking. In, in recent matchups between <laughs> Dortmund and Real Madrid... Dortmund have had Real Madrid's number. And I can see Dortmund getting four points off Real Madrid. That's not happening. That's absolutely not happening. Look, look, someone has to come up with the fun opinions now, half up, isn't it? So, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no. It, it's Real Madrid gonna, winning this group. It's going to be fun. I, think, I, don't think, I don't think it is as much of a done deal that Spurs will finish third. I think Spurs do have a chance. Well, okay. No, no, no. Pause, 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 pause. Okay, you say Dortmund have a good chance to finish first. Yep. Tottenham have a good chance to advance. So are you telling me that your logic, Real Madrid then have a chance of finishing third? No. So so what's, so what's wrong with your logic here then? Because Dortmund, Dortmund have a chance to top in the group. They also have a chance of finishing third. Spurs have a chance of finishing second. They also have a chance of finishing third. Real Madrid are either going to finish one or two. So which one is less likely then? Uh, most likely, Real Madrid Dortmund finish. finishing first. Is no, no. Most likely, most likely, most likely uh, Real Madrid finish first. Second most likely, Dortmund finish first. Third most likely, Spurs finish second. <laughs> second behind Real Madrid, I should specify. It's going to be Real Madrid. I'm, I'm going to put Tottenham second just because I think people are just putting them third because they think Dortmund is Dortmund. But Dortmund I isn't going to be Dortmund. Plus, yeah, I can't I, trust that Dortmund that we know now will be Dortmund then because yeah. injury. And, and you know, Subotici looks like he might be leaving. We don't and know if Marco Reus is going to be fit. Their best player, third best player, I guess. Oba is in interesting headspace. Yeah, um, I was just about to bring that up. Like we don't, we don't know exactly what we're going to get from him. I think the the interesting one's going to be. It's the Wembley it, thing, isn't it? Like, can Spurs win at Wembley against teams that? I don't. Are, I don't want to. I don't want to say Wembley is a factor, but I think it's going to be interesting watching all these clubs that don't normally play at Wembley go. Oh, cool, Wembley. Let's just like go for it because we're, we're you, not going to get. Do you play think Wembley. that translates in Europe? The the branding of Wembley. Do you think players from Real Madrid who play in the Bernabeu, or players from Dortmund who play in is it Signal Inguna Signal the Western Falstaden? They How enjoy, do you pronounce that thing? I have no idea. I think they're going to enjoy Falstaden, But Dortmund, think... Dortmund's home ground. I'm pretty sure Wembley's just 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 a place. Whereas if you go to a Burnley player. Like last last week, like Chris Wood scores on his debut at Wembley Stadium. That has to be like the pinnacle of his career because, like, I I could imagine Dice telling his team Brexit FC, like, <laughs> you're not gonna get to play here again. 
Exactly, exactly. This, you're never going to get to play in Wembley again. We're not going to get into the semifinal of, of the FA Cup, really, realistically. So this is your one chance to play in the National Stadium unless you're going to get a cap, which you probably won't because you play for Burnley. So go out there and have fun. And they played Tottenham exquisitely well, I thought, as best as they could do. And then they win or get a draw, rather, in the, I think, 90th plus two, 90th, 90 plus one. Yeah, Trippier didn't track his runner, so... I, I so, think it'll, it'll probably help that extra 1% for players because the thing about Wembley is that it's a non-place. It's not intimidating. It's not an intimidating ground. It, it's, it's got very nice away team facilities. Uh, the quality of the pitch is particularly good. So if you're a team like Real Madrid or Dortmund, you're like, oh, I can play my passy football here. This is fine. So if, if The pitch so, is like a carpet. So would you um, say Spurs are playing 38 away games? No, no, not 38. Well, yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, technically they are. It's not their home ground, but if if it doesn't if it doesn't feel like an away ground to the opposition, then can it be your home? Possibly. Oh, oh you talk to you talk to Arsenal fans when they moved into Emirates. You talk to West Ham fans when they first moved to London Stadium, and they'll tell you when you move into a new stadium, you got to get you know it takes a couple of games to get the train stations right and to find your right pub, and then it takes a couple of really big performances for 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 you and the team to enjoy it. So you could very well see Spurs beating Dortmund 2-1 and that be the beginning of Spurs enjoying Wembley. So I'm not I'm I'm not going to say Spurs are going to finish third because they're going to be at Wembley. I think Spurs are going to finish third right now because their fullbacks aren't very good and they play a system that very much relies on fullbacks. I'm going to put them second just because I think people are putting them third. So I'm going to be a That's bit cool. Different. Is there another group? There is no other group. We can we can do oh. questions now. We can do um, questions. I also asked people to send in their heroes and villains, so thank you guys that did that. Uh, so a lot of these questions we already touched upon, but maybe we can give you a few words. Uh, Kadim asks, was BVB right to sell Dembele for a Bundesliga record fee to Barcelona? Yes. If you're, if someone's going to offer you that much, especially of the Neymar money, um, and you had him for one year, mm. uh, I think I think you were right to sell. Although it, it, it kind of depends on what they do with the money. It looks like they're going to just go all in on Christian Pulisic. Which is interesting. Like, could Dembele's move be the dawn of a new American football era? Because Pulisic is now the star of Dortmund, which means he's going to be getting a lot of game time, a lot mm. of the ball. It'll be a fun experiment. I think Dortmund are going to finish second or third. I think if you're Dortmund, you're kind of doing what Southampton do, which is just, we can sell a player because we're still going to finish anywhere between sixth and 11th and that you know that doesn't matter they also you know they love they love their youth thing they've got some passionate fans they, they get some good cup runs but if you're Dortmund right now you're looking at Bayern and going right we're probably not going to win Bundesliga for a while so the best we can manage is you know we're going to finish between second and fourth and we can continually bring through players that will help us finish second or fourth so it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter if we sell our best player for 100 and whatever million because we already have the next guy ready to take us to second or fourth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think but, it's good. Could you imagine if they had a, like a no sell policy or something like that? Like if they weren't a selling club, and you if keep they... Lewandowski, you you kept Goza when you needed to keep him. You keep Kagawa when you needed to keep him. Uh, you keep Gundogan when you needed to keep him. Like like if they had the Royce policy with all the rest of the other good players, they would have won a Bundesliga. This, this is this is football. Four years. Stephen Roberts asks, "Are Arsenal too good to be relegated?" Alan Shearer will tell you, "No club's good enough. No club is too good to be relegated." But Chelsea were in seventeenth when Mourinho got sacked. Keep that in mind. 
So were you that oh, bad? Or was it sixteenth? It might have been sixteenth. Good grief. Wow. Yeah. I think Arsenal Arsenal will do. <laughs> uh are you aware of the so there's this theory that Arsenal have two types of seasons. You have in either Arsenal A season, they start off really well and it gets to February and it all falls apart and they fall all the way down to fourth. Mm-hmm. This is what happened in the year that Leicester won the league. Or you have an Arsenal B season where they start really poorly. They look like they're going to finish 6th or 7th and they power all the way up to 4th. And that feels like a success. Um, and I think we're going to get an Arsenal B season where they're going to start off really badly and power their way up and, and finish. 4th fourth, fourth will be their ceiling, is their possible ceiling, I think. I think the highest place to finish this year is 4th. Yeah, how is it that we have all these theories and we kind of know what's going to happen with Arsenal, but Arsenal don't know what's going to happen with Arsenal? <laughs> I, think, I think Arsenal know what's going to happen to Arsenal. I think they just don't care. I think the owners don't care. That's the biggest problem. Then. I think, I think the owners don't care. I think a degree of their players don't care, and I think either Wenger doesn't know, or Wenger, or, or either Wenger doesn't know and doesn't care, or Wenger does know and just can't help himself. Or, or is it that Wenger knows, Wenger cares, but he's at an age or at a temperament where he just can't do anything. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's very great. much. It's. I don't know if you told me this or if I just knew it before, but I feel like you've mentioned it. Where Larry Bird has a theory about coaches. Which is after, mm-hmm. th- which is like after three or four years, like the voice in the dressing room gets lost, and you just need a new voice. If you added a new manager, the players would be under pressure to improve, to impress this manager, the new manager, in order to get their spot back. But these players already know what Wenger is going to do before he does it. Almost like you need fresh air, um, and Wenger, <laughs> for all his quality and all he's done at the club, he's he's very much stale. And uh, you just you need something new in order to spark the dressing room, in order to spark the players back into a competitive kind of mode. Because right now, it, everything just seems too, too simple, too vanilla. You can tell on the pitch that that's what's going on. Steven Roberts also asked Mbappe, PSG, what's the point? Um, for him, money. I don't, He hasn't even got a bumper contract from Monaco, I don't think. So he's going from rags to riches. Um, and from Monaco, you would Monaco's probably a better place to live than Paris, you think? I mean, for tax reasons, Monaco's better. I was just in, about to bring that up. <laughs> for tax reasons, Monaco's better, but in terms of becoming the man. Right, a global the, superstar. But then again, yeah. it's it's almost like uh, ne- Neymar was at Barcelona. He couldn't uh-huh. be the man because Messi was there. Yeah. Can Mbappe be the man at PSG if Neymar's there? And nope. like in four years' time? Do he want to go somewhere else to be his own man? Probably. Um, so, so couldn't it be worth it to stay at Monaco and make Monaco your home? But then Monaco, it, it, it just feels, I'm, I'm used to this and I need something new. What you have to understand about this is, remember you Barcelona and Bayern Munich are the pinnacle of world football. Hmm. So those are the top three clubs. And you can, um, most clubs are stepping stones to get there. So when people say, oh my God, Paul Pogba wanted to come back to Man United, I was very much, no, Pogba wanted to leave Juve and Man United is the next best club he can get before he goes to one of those, to Real Madrid or Barcelona. So Pogba goes to Man United. If it works out, he can still go to Real Madrid because Man United and Real Madrid have a fairly good relationship-ish and it, it doesn't clash. Like, fine. And the thing about Mbappe is Mbappe can go to PSG, win some titles with PSG, which is a done deal now because they've got Neymar challenge for some Champions Leagues. And if it doesn't work out, he can still go to Real Madrid, which we know Mbappe wants to go to Real Madrid one day, right? Mm-hmm. He's managed to take an upward move that doesn't lock him out from the eventual goal, which is to become a Real Madrid guy. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's smart from all, all stages. But I do, I do believe Mbappe and Neymar at PSU will probably go the way of Neymar and Messi at Barcelona because time is cyclical. <laughs> You're um, just gonna get like, I want my own team. I was like, you at Monaco, it is your own team if you stay. Like, it's not Falcao's team. Yeah, but um, if he's staying at Monaco, he's not gonna be winning uh, league ones, is he? You you need to kind of make that step in order to make the next one. You, you want just... you want your own team, but you also you want your own team that has a good chance of winning a title. It's all well and good being Totti, but Totti only ever got one Serie A, and even then he needed Batistuta to do it. What, what was the question you asked me? Would I Would rather, rather be Totti West Brown or Wes Brown? Yeah. Disrespectful question. All right, here's another one. Would you rather be Totti or Nicholas Anelka? I have a soft spot for Nicholas Anelka. There you are. <laughs> Anelka won a lot of titles at a lot of different clubs. I would, I would rather be Anelka, actually. You see? I'm best friends with Drogba, are you kidding? Let me find, uh, I'll find another journeyman for you and, and we'll get back to that question. Oh, would you rather be Totti or would you rather be Sadov? <laughs> Sadov has a lot of titles and a lot of Champions League medals, but he also played for Real Madrid, AC Milan, Ajax, and somewhere else. Like he went around. The levels of this question because West Brown or Sadov is no question. Uh, we'll put this in terms of wanting to be the man or wanting to be a part of a team that's going to win titles. That's a tough question, actually. Talking Tactics fans and and listeners, tweet us. Would you much rather be Sadov or Totti? We will we will put a poll out. All right. Would you much rather be a cog of a big team or would you much rather be the big name in the team that ultimately couldn't do it? I'm actually leaning Totti, but next That's question. Um, from Theo Mosby, when will the England team collapse occur at the World Cup? Qualifying, group stage, Round of 16 or the quarters? <laughs> I would I say group so. stage. Uh, no, no, now obviously we don't know the groups, but uh, there's a lot of assuming going on that's saying they're getting to the round of 16 and the quarters or the quarters. So we'll just eliminate that assumption. So I would assume if something bad's going to happen, it would happen at the group stage. I think it's a, a, a five point. From the group stage, and you get to the round sixteen, you get knocked out. I think it's similar to. Yeah, why not? <laughs> England are a tier two national side. Tier two? Are you sure? Tier two. I mean, what tier one is? Brazil, Germany. Argentina, Germany, France, Spain. Tier two okay. is Chile, England, Uruguay, Italy. Italy's tier one, bro. Well, at least historically. Historically, but I think Italy's current squad is, is lacking that little bit of class. And I think they, they got as far as they did in the Euros because of Conte's managerial skills. I think, yeah, Italy's relying on a very old on a very old backline and a very young and experienced frontline, which can't quite work. But yeah, I think I think as we approach the World Cup, it will be interesting. I'm interested to see what Harry Maguire does for England because he looks to be quite good in the three games he's played for Leicester so far. So He, he just could, looks big. <laughs> that could, he does look, does look very big. Uh, Andy Carr. It was almost like uh, they bought a younger version of Robert Huth. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, that and, makes sense. Andy Haar, who does social media for, for football.london, shared a video of Harry Maguire turning up to England training camp. And he's just got a big bin bag full of stuff, I imagine. Just like, hello, I'm here. So he strikes me as quite an endearing gentleman. But he could, he could, he could be the solution because what? Smalling doesn't seem to be able to do it. Jagielka's not doesn't seem to be able to do it. Jones is broken. So 
you know, Jones played well. Phil Jones he, actually played well in your last game. Phil Jones is is great when he's fit, but he's made a belsel with. There's a there's an article somewhere somebody can look this up that Sir Alex Ferguson said that Phil Jones could be the greatest Manchester United player of all time. Yep. <laughs> that didn't work. Nope. Uh, so that we 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 have three more questions left. Some of these we've covered. How dumb is Wenger by selling Mustafi and Gabriel and not bringing in replacements when we couldn't defend with them in the first place from Mason Boris? I think you answered your own question. I think the answer is very. Yep. Next question. Uh, <laughs> from Packed Mouse, why do many people such as Have Hope consider Raheem Sterling a brick? The man has saved City multiple points already this season. I think Half, Half Hope would have to answer that question, I think. But why uh, do many people not rate Sterling? I guess this is his question. I wrote a large article about this with Joe, and I said part of this is to do with the fact that he left a historically important football club in Liverpool. Part of this is because he made a very ill-advised interview with the BBC saying it's not about money. And part of this is because he's black. Oh, there, he went there. Oh, no. There, there, is a, there was a very concerted media effort to demonise Raheem Sterling. Um, if you read certain British news outlets, they are fascinated with how much money Raheem Sterling spends. Um, so they're always writing about how he, he spent money on a car or bought his mother a house. Or buying in Poundland. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> something I found particularly interesting. He can't in, win for in, losing, man. Yeah. Uh, there was one story involving a semi-professional football player who was also a drug dealer. And the son used Raheem Sterling's photograph to promote it, which was particularly unnerving. <laughs> I was going to say scummy. Um, yeah. All right, look, we've been here before. We talk about how black players are described in the journalist arena. Do you want to talk about outlets. the... Uh, did you want to talk about the Aluko thing, by the way? Uh, yeah, we do. Whilst we're here. Uh, uh, so, any Aluko, who uh, women's England Chelsea, former, Chelsea ladies. Chelsea, Chelsea ladies and f- England women's. Former. Uh, I think former she retired from the national side. Made a case late, early last week about instances of racism uh, directed at her by the England manager, Mark Sampson. Who so Aluko is of Nigerian heritage. When the coach said, "Oh, uh, Aluko says she'll be bringing family members around," the coach went, "Oh, where are they from?" She said, "Nigerian." He goes, "Oh, I hope your family doesn't bring a bowler." This is Aluko's version of events. Um, apparently, she took offence at this, reported it to the FA. The FA offered her eighty thousand pound to be uh, silent about said matter, a non-disclosure agreement. The now the non-disclosure agreement has expired. Uh, she did an interview in the Guardian explaining what happened and explaining incidences of racism in England women's and explaining how she believes her reaction in part led her to be dropped from the England national side. Mm. You know, it's it's very disappointing. How do you feel about people taking hush money though? Have hope and I have had this discussion. I don't know if it was on an extra or not, but it it annoys me. If you felt so bad about this, and obviously this is a huge issue, and probably the reason they didn't get rid of the managers because England went to the the women's Euros like this summer and had a great mm-hmm. tournament, so they didn't want to get rid of their manager, who probably not probably who should have been at least reprimanded or sacked at 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 worst or best. I don't I don't know which one is it worst or is it best in this situation, but something should have happened to him for saying the comment, right? But if you feel so aggrieved by the comment. Don't take the eighty thousand pounds. 
Just come so out the, and, and, and say what happens. Don't don't take the hush money. So the so my response there is, what has Aluko coming out achieved? I'm not sure. Because Samson's not been reprimanded. Samson hasn't been removed. Aluko's just taken further damage to her career. She's had a torrent of Twitter abuse from some terrible people sure. on the internet. Um, she's been made to relive a turbulent moment in her life. And if you're of a disposition where you're like, right, I've just been racially abused from someone with a lot of power. I've been told by their boss that the chances of me getting justice are very, very low. But this person has offered me more money than I earn in a year. Seriously? To, what, 80,000? 80, 80,000 is a lot of money for a woman's football player. Debushi makes that in a week. Yeah. Uh, what? I'll, I'll maybe... Wait, what? 80,000 is more than what certain players in Chelsea women's would make that season, I'd imagine. So what? You, so you've been racially abused by your boss and your boss's boss says, I can't fire this person because they're too important. However, I can give you £80,000 to make you feel better, providing you don't talk about it for six to eight months. Why wouldn't you take the money? Right, or, you, you know, you got to bear in mind, this is this is England. This is... This is English football culture. This is a press where you're, you know, you're a woman as well. Mm. So that this is a press where if the press does believe you, which is a big if, they're going to demonize you. They're going to paint you as a playing the race card. They're going to call you X Y Z. You're going to get called X Y Z on Twitter. What Mark Sampson's brother on Twitter called Aluko bitter and saying you're only coming out with this stuff because you weren't getting picked for England anymore. And Aluko said, "How dare you? I stay quiet for this reason, for the reason, for like the good of the squad." You also got to bear in mind, you know, if you do come out, you get this guy fired. There are other members of your squad who possibly quite like this person. And you might have possibly derailed, th what, three or four years hard work for the World Cup or for the Euros for what they might interpret as a personal issue. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very sticky. And no, no, it, I think Have Hope and I were talking about, you know, police shootings. The city will pay you like $2.1 million or something like that. But you can't say anything about bad about the police department or about the state or about things like that. And it, it there's a tension in me because, one, I realized that the likelihood of you getting justice is very slim, especially mm -hmm. in, in, in the current climate. And you just lost perhaps a, a breadwinner in your family or someone who who had the potential of making a lot of money. First, you have kind of the the loss of the person and then you have the loss of their earnings. Hi, have hope. Um, Hello. So th th there's those two things, and I, I always lean more towards the first, that that the loss of the person should go ahead of the loss of their earnings. But if you can't get justice for the loss of the person, then maybe you should take the money. But if there's a an, an attachment to it that says you can't talk about it, it always rubs me the wrong way because I feel like if it's such this bad thing, then then you should be willing to come out in that moment. Your, your argument about this, this, it's not necessarily a family thing. It's a team thing where I don't want to put my team in a bad position to where we might lose this tournament, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a different dynamic, I guess, in sports than there is in society. Also, but people are tired, man. Like, sure. you can chase justice for years and years and years and years and years and years. And you could go bear in mind when you're chasing justice, that's not free. That's taking time off work. That's going to court. That's flyering. That's campaigning. That's protesting. That's losing days, weeks, months of your life, hours of sleep, campaigning to get people to believe you that a certain thing is true. Like 
there are people that still don't believe police are indiscriminately killing black people. There are people in this country that still don't believe black people are more likely to be unemployed, more likely to be murdered, more likely to be victimized, humiliated and discriminated by agents of the state. Just real fundamental things. Like they, I, I always said this, the majority of people don't understand what racism is. They just think it's a word. They don't understand what the term racism is. They don't understand that racism means to discriminate based on the color of your skin. That racism is, I believe I am better than you because I am this, I look like this and you like this. And because you like this, I deserve greater human rights than you do. They completely mis misunderstand and they and like a certain subsection of society will never understand it. No matter how hard you campaign and campaign, you can talk for years and years and years until you're blue in the face and you could bankrupt yourself. You could sell your house and remortgage and keep going. And then even if they do believe you, what it might not even offer you the catharsis that you're hoping for so i'm it's no surprise that some people are like you know what i will take my money i will live my life knowing that them giving me this money means that some part of them admits that they are wrong hmm. i will go out and live my life and in the something someone once told me is that those who already care already know and those that don't know will never care so and, you know, it varies from person to person. So to Aluko, thank you so much for standing up. The fact that you took 80,000 as an NDA, that, that doesn't color my opinion of you. I hope football does take notice of, of its attitudes. You know, we're entering winter. October's coming around. Black History Month will be coming around. I'm sure organizations like Kick It Out will be looking to... Why is your Black History Month in October? I don't know, but I'm really <laughs> glad. I'm really glad there are two Black History Months because it means now we get more time to talk about it we get february and october to talk about these issues mm. um we're gonna head into october and kick it out we're gonna want to launch another thing about anti-racism in football i think what's particularly interesting already is that away fans have been traveling to brighton and making homophobic chants and brighton police and brighton fans have said could you please sort this out because we're sick and tired of this. This has been happening for the last four or five seasons of people coming to Brighton and saying you're X, Y, Z because Brighton is known for its prominent LGBT uh, population. And it's unacceptable. And there needs to be more than just lip service and so on. And the FA's releasing a statement saying, we are totally against this. Something has to be done. And teams need to start, you know, there needs to be talk of docking points or putting in large, hefty fines on football clubs so people learn that this sort of behavior isn't acceptable. And you can say, oh, that's how football used to be. But no, this is how football is now. And that we should absolutely be, this is unacceptable. Do you and consider the, the money a cover-up? Uh, I, I was reading about the, the case in very briefly the other day. And some people were suggesting that the money was a cover-up. Like they, they, they gave her money for, for it to go away. So, so, so basically she wasn't supposed to come out even after her uh, agreement was finished. They kind of thought that she would let it go but then she came out after the agreement had ended. So like the money was almost hush money in a way. And I was wondering if you kind of agreed with that sentiment or if you, if you didn't. No, no, it's just, it's NDA. It's an NDA. They've clearly given her this money. Um, the fact that it expires shows that they very clearly wanted this story to not be broken before the, the two, the three large football tournaments England women's had in terms of, the euros uh i think it was called the gold cup or the gold trophy mm. and the world cup beforehand uh, and the fact that it expires also shows that they someone there either didn't do their paperwork properly or at least trusts her that when she did break the story she did, she would break it in a 
I hate talking about the humble black person, but in a dignified manner, um, to which she did. She she acquitted herself very well in that profile in the Guardian, mm. and she talked about how one what happened. She talked about two why she's speaking now, and she talked about three how she would face the inevitable backlash. You know, she said the problem about talking about racism in the United Kingdom is the moment you you speak out, you're painted as the 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 unfriendly and the problem Negro. Which is a you know a feeling I get many a time. You know, my mum is to this day very very afraid of me talking myself out of work for not letting things slide when an older gentleman says something racially offensive at work. But my you know my thing is I won't I can't stand idling by when people say stuff like that. But you know it's it's different strokes for different people. Uh, yeah, I was just I was just saying like if it was a cover up, I would be like that's. It's, it would be an interesting experiment kind of in like the two forms of racism that people think exist. How, how would I start this? A lot of people think racism is just if I, if I call you a name, that, mm. that like a, a racial epithet, or if I um, just to say something insensitive about your color, which could be perceived as racist or, raci- or just racist, I guess you could say. But racism, at least the way I was taught it in, in school and sociology classes is the, the power of one group to place themselves above another. Um, and that goes with court systems, with education, mm. with housing, with just, just all elements of society. It's not necessarily your individual prejudice. It's the societal prejudice against groups of people. Um, mm-hmm. If this was a, a systemic issue that happens a lot in maybe women's British football or just British I think football it is. in general. Then maybe, uh, I, I then, then maybe that would be a bigger discussion than just her her case. Her case could be an example of something that's a little bit more systemic than rather just that individual case. I would like for it to be the the beginning of a, of a bigger talk about systemic racism in English football. But but, but also, um, I like, mean, we, we we don't know how many other people have these non disclosure agreements. There could be so many more black athletes that have these, but they just haven't come out. Because they might be themselves, which is why I give her credit for coming mm. out and saying her piece. Because there could be other people who have been like, you don't just say, "Oh, I hope you don't have, uh, I hope you don't bring back Ebola." It's not just something you just. That's not your first time saying it. Yeah, that's you know not a I mean? casual joke. That's not a casual joke. Yeah, um, we had this when Malky Mackay got fired from Cardiff, and you know they found his WhatsApp group where he had that what? image of Black Monopoly, and every single square said, "Go to jail." And uh, he called someone a gay snake and he said, someone sent him a list of players and he said, not many white faces there, but we'll see. And that was interesting because we had players that had played under Malky say, oh yeah, Malky Mackay has been a racist for years and years and years. He said loads of things to, to black and brown players uh, during the winter months. Like, oh, not built for this cold, are you? Yeah, you're all right in the summer. And, and words to that effect. And I think... The thing for me about racism in football, so the the argument people make is you will never deal with racism in football until you deal with racism in wider society. My counterpoint to that is you will far easily deal with racism in football because people care about racism in football. Like people will care about something when it's involved in something they like. And there's a quote, I'm probably misquoting saying Lincoln said it, but it's essentially people care far more about their interests rather than their rights. So it's the whole thing of, you know, that parental trick. If you don't, eat your vegetables, you don't get your dessert. And then people eat their vegetables. And I think if you tell people 
if you learn to not be racist in football, then you will learn to not be racist in real life. I think that's a lot easier for a, a large degree of society. I think a lot of people there, I think if you talk to even the most hardened racist, you know, the most hardened love-hate tattoos thingamajig, they probably have a passing interest in football, which means they probably have at least one person they are vaguely aware of who is not white. Well, I say white, obviously racism works, you know, who is not of their skin color, who they probably have an affinity for. Yes. <laughs> you can take the most hardened Chelsea supporting headhunter racist and they will like Didier Drogba. And then you go to them, but you like Didier Drogba. Can you understand how Didier Drogba is a human being? Can you understand how he has rights? Can you understand he has this? Can you understand that? And I think that is a, in my personal experience, when I have to argue about racism and how racism works and how racism can like really affect a person's psyche. It's a lot easier for me to, to explain to a racist person, racist chants make Drogba play worse than it is for me to understand, to explain to them that politician shouldn't have said N word in the woodpile because that's offensive to other black politicians, you know? <laughs> the fact these sayings exist and we don't know they exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but, but not, actually just, just quickly on that, I agree, but I disagree at the same time because I feel if you're an ardent racist, football is not going to really change your opinion about about much. And we can use the kind of the Parisian train incident. And I'll, I'll talk about the club I support. I feel as if a lot of people take ownership of black players who play for their teams. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they necessarily care about black people or respect black people. They this respect the point. black players who are in their shirt. And, and the moment they're not in your shirt, they don't care. So Didier Drogba, he's great. We have a respect for him. But Didier Drogba's mom, if she tried to get on the train, would, would you have let her on? Probably not if you didn't know who she was. So your kind of love for one black person, just because they play for, quote, your team, won't necessarily translate, I don't think, to larger society if you don't care about black people. I don't think football is going to make people not be racist. It just makes them like individual black people, which it doesn't, it doesn't really help anything, I don't think. Mm. And I've, I've always kind of had that, that idea that people take, they, it's just ownership of bodies at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Just he, he's, he's our, and, and as long as he's ours, he's okay. But the moment he's not ours, or the moment he's not wearing our blue shirt, then it's, it's F him. It is helpful that you can kind of relate to the person, but you're not relating to that person because of who they are. You're relating to that person because of what they do and what they do for you, which I kind of see as problematic in a way. If, if that's the grand solution, then it, it has their holes in the boat. Um, mm. Have hope. You've been quiet. Welcome. Yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, I mean, I literally just came back from um, an engagement that, that, that I had, so. <laughs> I, I felt like we were kind of wrapping this up, so. Well, we, we do have heroes and villains of the week, unless, Carl, unless you have anything else on the topic. I no, think we could, I, I, I think we could just say shout-out to Enya Luko. That's, that's all we really got, like. Yeah, good all power to you. So, heroes and villains. Oh, no, we do have one more question from CLZ33. He asked us, does Syria have the best strikers? Napoli, Milik, Juventus, Higuain. Milik? Oh, yeah. I, I sorry for, for, forgot about that guy, man. Roma has his echo. Milan, Baca, Silva, Inter has a Cardi. It's not bad, actually. Bellotti at Torino. I mean, well, I mean, Dries Mertens is more of like a midfielder, so he's not really a striker. I mean... It's no, no, no. I, I, the, the answer the, is no, and why does it matter? Um, I would say the Premier League probably has the best strikers still. 
so heroes and villains. I asked people to send in their heroes and villains of the week, and we got a few. So Stephen Roberts, his heroes were Asensio, Phil Jones, and Murata. His villains were Pep Guardiola, Miguel Britos. That was mine. Did you guys see the tackle that that, yeah. the, that the Watford player had? Yeah. Why not just let him run? Like, why you could destroy someone's career like that? Actually, my my hero and villain of the week is is the wait, same. Wait, let the people finish. Okay. <laughs> and his 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 last villain was Mbappe for leaving Monaco. Dio Mosby, hero, Liverpool villain, Wenger. <laughs> Young Nig Pigose Zay. Not sure about that. Heroes: Dybala, Morata, and Mohamed Salah. His villain was Arsenal. Packed Mouse, Heroes, Mane, Sterling, Asensio, Villain, Wenger, Xhaka, Arsenal Football Club as a whole. <laughs> um, and Shata Khan, uh, his hero was PSG for pissing off Barca and Madrid in the transfer window. And his villain was Barca's board for wasting $160 million on Coutinho. So, my, my hero would probably be Marata. I think everything he's done well, he's done with his head. He scored two goals with yes. his head and two assists with his head. Um, I'd like to see what he can do with his feet. And my villain was Britos from, from Watford with a, just a disgusting challenge. Every, everything that's happening at Arsenal, I kind of, I'm enjoying it. So they're not necessarily villains. <laughs> um, but have hope. Your villain and, and your hero is the same guy. Well, the same thing. Okay. It's Arsenal. <laughs> we've, we've talked about Arsenal, I feel like, for... Like 30 minutes, no, I, mean, look, I, you, I mean, you can't escape it. They're my hero because of the kind of stories and the news they, they create. I mean, this Sterling Sanchez, I find it fascinating. They've become very annoying now. You know, it's it's become very boring. Carl, your heroes and villains of the week? Hero is Aluko for for coming public with this and stand, standing up. And my villain is the, the stewards and oh, at the man. Manchester City Bournemouth game. So Mike Dean for starters for sending off Sterling. I thought you liked I him. I love I love Mike Dean. I, I as I've said before, he's the la- he's the he's the biggest attraction of the Premier League. He's a exactly. He's a true main eventer. He's a true main eventer. He can he, no other football professional knows how to make the narrative about them quite as much as Mike Dean. But I think he got that wrong by sending off Sterling. Letter of the law or not, I think that's a, a nonsense. What particularly worried me was the speed and the manner which the police stewards handled Manchester City fans. Yeah, I think in the, yeah, the, the, the kind of holds and the, the, they were putting people's arms behind their back and choking them out. I was like, Jesus, it's just yeah. celebrating a goal. It's not like he was murdering people. Like, damn. So the, 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 the talk was about how Aguero tried to struck the steward and then was found to be lying because it was on camera. The one of the policeman's hats fallen off. Aguero's gone to pick it up, and as Aguero's picked up and tried giving it back to the policeman, one of the, the City fans is belly, you know, face down on, on the on the pitch. His arms are both behind his back. They're both winched to an uncomfortable position. As a steward, just got him in this hold, and Aguero's going, get off him. He's he's done nothing wrong. He's just a football fan. And the uh, the steward's just screaming at him, going, could you please F off? You know, this doesn't involve you whatsoever. And it's, it, it was just unsightly and wasn't nice to see in the game. Just... We've come a long way from the dark days of the 1980s, but it's not its not nice to see that in some mm. areas of policing and security, football fans are still seen to be thugs that need to be brutalized. So that's my main villain. 
recommended reads, Carl. Have you read anything this week that people would like reading? Recommended reads, reads uh, Squawker for that uh, swap deal article I mentioned okay. earlier. So it's it's the the best swap deals in football history, and whether or not they will hit or misses for their various clubs. Um, Washington Street Journal published something last in the last couple of days, which is essentially they're they're very effusive over Jose Mourinho and how he took last year as a rebuilding year for Manchester United and how uh, Man United looked to be a good side. Those are my major reads this time. Zito uh, from SB Nation at Zit have wrote a long time ago about how Arsenal are consistently stuck in Groundhog Day and how go- it, so there's this logic test that God can't be all-knowing, all-powerful and all-loving. And he applies that to Wenger, that Wenger can't be all those things for Arsenal. Um, so I recommend that because it's it's great to read every time Arsenal lose badly. So I imagine you'll read this at least four times this season. So read those three things. Um, right. Other than that, I'm all done. Yeah, I will link those in the description. All right, have hope. Since we got you, um, I need these to be quick, man. But I I I do want to get your takes on these situations. So Sterling Sanchez, quickly, your initial thoughts. Um, Sterling is crap. I've been saying people this for a long time. He's trash and he's overhyped. Um, so Arsenal taking that deal, it's stupid. But if that means that you can't, you're gonna get, you're gonna get cash for Sanchez plus a player who he is trash, but he does fit into your system and how you play. For Arsenal, they've got to take that deal, and for Man City, that's a really good deal because again, Sterling is not gonna help you. Sanchez is gonna help you a hell of a lot. So I just think at the end of the day, because remember, from what I've read. Arsenal said they want Sterling. City didn't say that. So City didn't, didn't include Sterling in, in the whole deal. So if I was City, tell Sterling to take a hike, plus you get Sanchez as well with the um, 15 mil, and then boom, that, that's, that's it. It's, it's, it's right. a good that's what's both parties. Liverpool for Arsenal, nil. Embarrassing. I mean, Arsenal should be punished for that performance. They should have points deducted for that, for an embarrassing performance. And Sadio Mane is Philip Coutinho's daddy. What 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 is a four nil win in the half hope lexicon? Well, let's no. It's a circumcision. A circumcision. <laughs> um, Naby Keita to Liverpool. Very good deal. But why wasn't it this this season? Will Klopp will have a job next next season? So I just don't know why it couldn't have been this season. Was still very, 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 very good buy. Uh, Thomas Lamar perhaps going to Liverpool. Who the hell is Thomas Lamar? No, okay. Mbappe to PSG. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's all you have to say. All right, and uh, Dembele, official to Barcelona, second most expensive player don't, of all time. Don't put pressure on the guy's shoulders. Go on to Neymar's Instagram and and look at the football game that he he, he played with his Brazilian friends. Neymar is in a whole other level skill wise, so do, he will never ever come close to replacing Neymar. Let him just be his own. Don't put too much weight on the young shoulders, and I think he'll be very interesting for Barcelona, and he'll give him a whole new way of of playing. Those those were our main topics. Um, yeah. So this is the Talking Tactics podcast. We do this every Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Really follow us on SoundCloud. We're close to, to another barrier there, so it would be dope if you could follow us. Leave Apple Podcast reviews, and we'll read them on the show if they're five stars. 
Uh, you can follow me at Daniel to look. You can follow have hope at at have hope hot. You can follow Carl at anchorman six one six. Anything else you guys need to plug this week? Articles, videos, anything? I interviewed Channing Tatum last week, so Ooh. keep your eyes peeled on shortlist Facebook page. Why and and how? He's got a film out, so. Well, how are you about to interview him? They sent you to like a, a media junket. What is, is that what yep. it's called? That's the one. Interesting. All right. That, so yeah, look at the Kind of a big deal. <laughs> look, well done, man. Well done, man. That's yeah, that's man. that's, that's a big gig, man. Yeah, talking tactics podcast. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Pretty much always for football. Most of the time, always football. Play <laughs> humanoids. See you next week. Peace. Podcast Network.